Part four of Yellowstone National Park Six Early Pieces by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part four The Wonders of the Yellowstone. Part two, Section two. Snow continued to fall all night and the next day, and we made our camp as comfortable as possible. At night, the snow was more than two feet deep. It turned to rain the following morning showers alternated with sunshine through the day removed the snow rapidly we were now so completely environed by forest and so far away from any recognized trail that all our fear of molestation by indians or of danger from any other cause was thoroughly dissipated with true falstaffian philosophy we felt that we could take our ease in our inn and the figure one of us presented has been graphically delineated by our artist upon the spot we made a circuit round the head of the inlet to the springs we had seen the next day they were widely different from any we had visited before in all they numbered a hundred and fifty and were scattered along the lake shore about a mile at a distance of a hundred yards from the beach those farthest inland resembled boiling mud of various degrees of consistency some not thicker than paint others so dense that as they boiled over the contents piled into heaps which gradually spread over the ground forming an extensive vitrified surface this sediment varies in colour that flowing from some of the apertures being white as chalk that from others of a delicate lavender hue and from others of a brilliant pink colour the following are the results of analyses of the various specimens which we gathered by professor augustus Deitz of montana here follows a table which the reader has not reproduced in close proximity to these springs are others of pure odourless water near the shore were several boiling springs around which the sedimentary increment had formed into mounds of various sizes and heights the deposit around one of these springs resembles a miniature forest of pines the most remarkable springs of this group six or seven in number are of pure ultramarine hue very large and wonderfully transparent the largest is forty feet wide by seventy feet long the sides are funnel-shaped converging regularly to the depth of forty feet where they present a dark and apparently unfathomable chasm from the surface to this opening the sides of the funnel are furrowed and sinuous coated with a white sediment which contrasts vividly with the dark orifice at its base this group of springs exhibit in their deposits a great variety of shades and colours no two of them being alike their constant overflow has fashioned a concrete bank of commingled tufa eight feet in height and a quarter of a mile in length and on the margin of the lake the waves have worn this bank into large caverns which respond in hollow murmurs to their fierce assaults between the springs are numerous vents and craters from which heated vapour is constantly rising along the edge of the water and ten or twenty feet from shore many springs are bubbling none of which seem to be strongly impregnated with sulphur the beach for a mile or more is strewn with fragments of sinter of various colours which have been worn by the waves into many fantastic forms 
the five days during which we camped at this locality were occupied by every possible effort to find our missing friend but the labors of each day only served to increase our fears for his safety one hope that of meeting him at virginia city was still indulged but opposed to this were many painful conjectures as to his possible fate not the least prevalent of which was the one that he might have been shot from an ambush by an indian arrow our provisions were rapidly diminishing and our longer stay gave promise of unfavorable results the force of circumstances obliged us to adopt the gloomy alternative of moving forward the next day leaving one of our own party and two of the cavalrymen to prosecute a further search the loss of our comrade and friend was to us all a source of much unhappy reflection and the hope of finding him so entirely absorbed our attention that we had little curiosity to examine and so escaped very many of the wonders of this region which we should otherwise have seen in our constant passing to and fro in different directions through the forest along the lake and over the surrounding mountains we had glances of objects which had we been free from a heavy charge it would have been pleasant to visit and describe these however are reserved for future investigation the plan of our route led us in a northwesterly direction from the lake towards the headwaters of the madison we travelled through a dense pine forest unmarked by trails and encumbered by fallen timber for most of the distance the close of the first day's travel found us only twelve miles from the lake still in the midst of the deep snow with no place to pitch our tent and each man seeking unsuccessfully a dry spot whereon to spread his blankets under the shelter of the trees the next day we reached the east bank of the firehole river the largest tributary of the madison down which we travelled passing several cascades many craters and boiling springs to a large basin two miles above the point of the union of the fire hole and burnt hole rivers we bade adieu to yellowstone lake surfeited with the wonders we had seen and in the belief that the interesting portion of our journey was over the desire for home had superseded all thought of further exploration we had seen the greatest wonders on the continent and were convinced that there was not on the globe another region where within the same limits nature had crowded so much of grandeur and majesty with so much of novelty and wonder our only care was to return home as rapidly as possible three days of active travel from the headwaters of the madison would find us among the settlers in the beautiful lower valley of that picturesque river and within twelve miles of virginia city where we hoped to meet with mr everts and realize afresh that all is well that ends well judge then what must have been our astonishment as we entered the basin at mid-afternoon of our second day's travel to see in the clear sunlight at no great distance an immense volume of clear sparkling water projected into the air to the height of one hundred and twenty-five feet geysers geysers exclaimed one of our company and spurring our jaded horses we soon gathered around this wonderful phenomenon it was indeed a perfect geyser the aperture through which the jet was projected was an irregular oval three feet by seven feet in diameter the margin of centre was curiously piled up 
and the exterior crust was filled with little hollows full of water in which were small globules of sediment some having gathered around bits of wood and other nuclei this geyser is elevated thirty feet above the level of the surrounding plain and the crater rises five or six feet above the mound it spouted at regular intervals nine times during our stay the columns of boiling water being thrown from ninety to one hundred and twenty-five feet at each discharge which lasted from fifteen to twenty minutes we gave it the name of old faithful in our journey down the valley looking down through a crevice in the crust upon which we were travelling we discovered a stream of hot water of considerable size running nearly at right angles with and away from the fire-hole river on the summit of a cone twenty feet high was a boiling spring seven feet in diameter surrounded with beautiful incrustations on the slope of which we gathered twigs and pine-tree cones encased in a siliceous crust a quarter of an inch in thickness but all of the curiosities of this basin sink into insignificance in comparison with the geysers we saw during our brief stay of but twenty-two hours twelve in action six of these from vents varying from three to five feet in diameter threw water to the height of from fifteen to twenty-five feet but in the presence of others of immense dimensions these soon ceased to attract attention one which we named the fan has an orifice which discharges two radiating jets of water to the height of sixty feet the falling drops and spray resembling a feather fan it is very beautiful its eruptions are very frequent lasting usually from ten to thirty minutes a vent connected with it about forty feet distant expels dense masses of vapor fifty or sixty feet high accompanied by loud sharp reports during the time the geyser is in action the grotto was so named from its singular crater of vitrified centre full of large sinuous apertures through one of these on our first visit one of our company crawled to the discharging orifice and when a few hours afterwards he saw a volume of boiling water four feet in diameter shooting through it to the height of sixty feet and a scalding stream of two hundred inches flowing from the aperture he had entered a short time before he concluded he had narrowly escaped being summarily cooked the discharge of this geyser continued for nearly half an hour the castle situated on the summit of an encrusted mound has a turreted crater through which a large volume of water is expelled at intervals of two or three hours to the height of fifty feet from a discharging orifice about three feet in diameter the architectural features of the siliceous centre surrounding it which is very massive and compact indicating that at some former period the flow of water must have been much greater than at present suggested its name a vent near it is constantly discharging a large stream of boiling water and when the geyser is in action the water in this vent boils and bubbles with great fierceness the giant has a rugged crater ten feet in diameter on the outside with an irregular orifice five or six feet in diameter it discharges a vast body of water and the only time we saw it in eruption the flow of water in a column five feet in diameter and one hundred and forty feet in vertical height continued uninterruptedly for nearly three hours the crater resembles a miniature model of the coliseum 
our search for new wonders leading us across the firehole river we ascended a gentle encrusted slope and came suddenly upon a large oval aperture with scalloped edges the diameters of which were eighteen and twenty-five feet the sides corrugated and covered with a greyish-white siliceous deposit which was distinctly visible at the depth of one hundred feet below the surface no water could be discovered but we could distinctly hear it gurgling and boiling at a great distance below suddenly it began to rise boiling and spluttering and sending out huge masses of steam causing a general stampede of our company driving us some distance from our point of observation when within about forty feet of the surface it became stationary and we returned to look down upon it it was foaming and surging at a terrible rate occasionally emitting small jets of hot water nearly to the mouth of the orifice all at once it seemed seized with a fearful spasm and rose with incredible rapidity hardly affording us time to flee to a safe distance when it burst from the orifice with terrific momentum rising in a column the full size of this immense aperture to the height of sixty feet and through and out of the apex of this vast aqueous mass five or six lesser jets or round columns of water varying in size from six to fifteen inches in diameter were projected to the marvellous height of two hundred and fifty feet these lesser jets so much higher than the main column and shooting through it doubtless proceed from auxiliary pipes leading into the principal orifice near the bottom where the explosive force is greater if the theory that water by constant boiling becomes explosive when freed from air be true this theory rationally accounts for all irregularities in the eruptions of the geysers this grand eruption continued for twenty minutes and was the most magnificent sight we ever witnessed we were standing on the side of the geyser nearest the sun the gleams of which filled the sparkling column of water and spray with myriads of rainbows whose arches were constantly changing dipping and fluttering hither and thither and disappearing only to be succeeded by others again and again amid the aqueous column while the minute globules into which the spent jets were diffused when falling sparkled like a shower of diamonds and around every shadow which the denser clouds of vapour interrupting the sun's rays cast upon the column could be seen a luminous circle radiant with all the colours of the prism and resembling the halo of glory represented in paintings as encircling the head of divinity all that we had previously witnessed seemed tame in comparison with the perfect grandeur and beauty of this display two of these wonderful eruptions occurred during the twenty-two hours we remained in the valley this geyser we named the giantess a hundred yards distant from the giantess was a siliceous cone very symmetrical but slightly corrugated upon its exterior surface three feet in height and five feet in diameter at its base and having an oval orifice twenty-four by thirty-six and one-half inches in diameter with scalloped edges not one of our company supposed that it was a geyser and among so many wonders it had almost escaped notice while we were at breakfast upon the morning of our departure a column of water entirely filling the crater 
shot from it which by accurate triangular measurement we found to be two hundred and nineteen feet in height the stream did not deflect more than four or five degrees from a vertical line and the eruption lasted eighteen minutes we named it the beehive how many more geysers there are in this locality it would be impossible to conjecture our waning stores admonished us of the necessity for a hurried departure and we reluctantly left this remarkable region less than half explored in this basin which is about two miles in length and one mile in width more than a thousand pipes or wells rise to the surface varying in diameter from two to one hundred and twenty feet the water in which varies in temperature from a hundred and forty degrees to the boiling point upwards of a hundred of which give evidence by the calcareous and siliceous deposits surrounding them that they are geysers and to all appearances they are as likely to be as any we saw in action the sides of these wells were covered with siliceous incrustations and were funnel-shaped and in many of the larger ones gradually converged for a distance of from twenty to fifty feet from the edge below which point the apertures enlarged laterally in all directions like a jug below the neck and were apparently unfathomable none of the springs in this locality appear to be impregnated with sulphur in this basin there are to be found no mud springs of which we discovered so many in the valley of the yellowstone and we found but one spring of cold water this entire country is seemingly under a constant and active internal pressure from volcanic forces which seek relief through the numberless springs jets volcanoes and geysers exhibited on its surface and which but for these vents might burst forth in one terrific eruption and form a volcano of vast dimensions it is undoubtedly true that many of the objects we saw were of recent formation and that many of the extinguished craters recently ceased their condition of activity they are constantly breaking forth often assuming new forms and attesting to the active presence of volcanic force a mountaineer who visited a portion of this region a year ago found at one place a small volcano which was constantly overflowing with liquid sulphur and lava and emitting smoke showing that the genuine volcanic elements were there and needed but the concentration of the forces now dissipated through thousands of vents to present a spectacle of grandeur surpassing that of vesuvius or etna the geyser is a new and perhaps the most remarkable feature in our scenery and physical history it is found in no other countries but ireland and tibet the geysers of the country last named are inconsiderable when compared with either those of iceland or the firehole or madison basin and those of iceland even dwindle into significance by the side of those of the madison until the discovery of the madison geysers there were but two of any note known to the world the great geyser and the stoker of iceland the phenomena presented by these have been sufficient at various periods during the past century to invite the personal investigation of some of the most distinguished of european savants von troll stanley olson hooker mackenzie 
and at a later day bunsen have visited iceland for the purpose of witnessing these aqueous eruptions and forming some satisfactory conclusion relative to the causes in which they originate the theory published by sir george mackenzie that the outbursts were produced by pressure on the air contained in cavernous recesses underground for many years received the sanction of the scientific world the periods intervening between the eruptions of the great geyser of iceland have been very irregular until within the past forty or fifty years since when it has generally projected a small jet to the height of twenty feet every two hours and a large one to the height of eighty feet every six hours mackenzie's theory was that there were two subterranean cavities connected with the main pipe one much deeper and larger than the other which rapidly filled with water after each eruption and that the pressure of the vapours upon them produced these periodic explosions ingenious as this theory appeared to be it was dissipated by the experiments made upon water by mr doney of ghent he discovered that water long boiled became more and more free from air by which its molecular cohesion is so greatly increased and that when it is exposed to a heat sufficient to overcome the force of cohesion the production of steam is so instantaneous and so considerable as to cause explosion bunsen ascribes the eruption of the geysers to this cause he found the water at the bottom of the well of the great geyser to be of a constantly increasing temperature up to the moment of an eruption on one occasion it was as high as two hundred and sixty one degrees fahrenheit his idea is that on reaching some unknown point above that temperature ebullition takes place vapor is suddenly generated in enormous quantities and an eruption of the superior column of water is the consequence the geysers of the madison exhibit precisely the same physical features and doubtless originate in the same causes they are surrounded too as are those of iceland by innumerable springs of hot water the bursting of a column into millions of particles resembles an explosion more than a mere eruption and the vast clouds of vapour which enshroud them and mingle with them in their ascent sometimes give an appearance of bulk to the upper part of the columns much greater than their real magnitude the water of the madison geysers like that of the geysers of iceland appears perfectly pure and doubtless could be used for cooking or drinking we had not the means of analyzing it on the spot the centre was both carboniferous and siliceous the latter characteristic predominating but both prevailing sufficiently to have produced large encrusted mounds and numerous illustrations of petrification in various stages of progress all this where such immense volumes of water are being constantly ejected could be effected with a moderate infusion of silica or soda dr black gives the following result of an analysis of a quantity of ten thousand grains about one-sixth of a gallon of water from the great geyser of iceland soda point ninety five alumina point forty eight silica five point four o muriate of soda two point four six dry sulphate of soda one point four six total ten point seven five that the same elements are held in solution in the waters of the madison geysers we have abundant proof in the vast encrusted field by which they are surrounded 
they are but a reproduction upon a much grander scale of the phenomena of iceland a wider field for the investigation of the chemist than that presented by the geysers may be found in the many tinted springs of boiling mud and the mud volcano these were objects of the greatest interest to humboldt who devotes to a description of them one of the most fascinating chapters of cosmos it would be rash in us to speculate where that great man hesitated we can only say that the field is open for exploration illimitable in resource grand in extent wonderful in variety in a climate favoured of heaven and amid scenery the most stupendous on the continent by means of the northern pacific railroad which will doubtless be completed within the next three years the traveller will be able to make the trip to montana from the atlantic seaboard in three days and thousands of tourists will be attracted to both montana and wyoming in order to behold with their own eyes the wonders here described besides these intervals of the upper yellowstone one may look upon the strange scenery of the lower valley of that great river the great falls of the missouri the grotesque groups of eroded rocks below fort benton the beautiful canyon of the prickly pear and the stupendous architecture of the vast chains and spurs of mountains which everywhere traverse that picturesque and beautiful country End of part four.